Uh, well, we're finishing the, uh, our series, Overwhelmed, but uh, before we dive in, let's have a commercial break. Are you ready? You like commercial breaks? Some of it depends on what they are. If it's Burger King, maybe not, huh? Let's talk about the Asbury Revival that's happening. Everybody been keeping up with that? If you're not, go on and try to find out what's going on. God's doing a great thing in the college there. And uh, uh, I think it was Dutch Sheets in 2001 said that God's going to move through the campuses of America through young people. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth at the turn of the century said the greatest revival that's coming is through young people. Hey, hey. And so, uh, you know, uh, Peter was the oldest apostle, the 12. The rest of them were close to teenagers. Didn't know that, did you? They're young. God uses young people. What about us old people? We're supposed to already be there. If you're not there, step your game up. And you know what? You see how religious people are. And I hate to tell you, we all a little bit religious, some more than others. But you can look at the negative comments about what God is doing at, at, at this revival. And, and God is doing something, and people, because it don't fit their religious thinking, it can't be God. They're not singing hymns. They're not using King James Version. Oh, man. They're singing Bethel. They're singing, oh, no, they're singing all of these new Christian songs. Can't be God. Got to be hymns. Well, got to an answer for all of it. Let's talk about, the, you know, I love the hymns. Man, they're awesome. But you know what? When you get to heaven, God said, you're going to sing a new song. Oh, no. One I don't have to learn. Yeah. There's new songs that be being sung in heaven, and we're going to have to sing a new song. And you know what? If the Holy Spirit broke out here, some of y'all would leave. Proves you're religious because it doesn't fit the way you think it ought to be. Quit that. I know it's God. How do you know it's God, Pastor Brett? Because a demon manifests. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every page, Jesus is taking care of the devil. We, we don't, you know, and, and bless their heart, I love them. And, and you know, the, the leadership said, we've got 911 call coming. We've called emergency services. I don't know if you there's on the video if you see it, and there's a lady in the back go, come out in the name of Jesus. How do you know? Well, she just wasn't having a seizure like they thought because she went, ah! Because the woman took authority over it. And these people are young. They don't know how to deal with that. Even the professors don't know how to deal with these things. That's okay. God still can take care of stuff. God's bigger than you. And you know what? If you can't clean up vomit, I'll take care of it for you. If you can't clean up blood, I'll take care of it for you. It's, that's what church is about. And see, so what do we do in this aspect of revival that's breaking out is we need to be hungry. It's what he prayed this morning. God, we want more. Every time we come together, well, why, you know, and, and the Lord asked me, you know, you're praying for revival. What does that look like? Are you ready for it? Are you ready to go seven days a week, 24 hours a day? Oh, wait a minute, I, I got to work. Yeah, you got to work because you got to eat. But you can have personal revival every day. At your job, in your life, you need to be full of God every day, everywhere you go. It's not waiting for over here. Oh, the kingdom of God's over there. And the kingdom of God's back there. No, the kingdom of God's right here. It's at hand. Put your hands on your, on your stomach right here. Put your hand. This is where the kingdom of God abides on the inside of you, Christian. The spirit of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And, and I love it. God pours out. But God, and you know, people say, well, they don't have lights. Well, no, we got lights. But they got two screens on both sides. Okay, we're okay, huh? Uh, they got a pipe organ. Maybe that's it. We need to get a pipe organ. Maybe we'll have it. No, it has nothing to do with the atmosphere. I can preach on a dirt floor. You just won't like it. And you know what? They don't have pads on their seats. Well, your behind likes the pads. I know. Pads are better than being, I sit on the pews. And they get hard. I've laid down on the pews and slept, okay, as a kid. 
but it's all right. It doesn't matter what you're sitting on, where you're at. You can have revival right where you're at, in your house, in your bathroom, in the shower, at work, at break time. You need to be seeking God. That's what this is about. And these young people that God's touching in this at Lee University, all right, those are future leaders. Those are future leaders. You, Jeff said something this morning that there's a, a movie coming out, The Jesus Revolution, and it was about the hippies who got saved and lives changed. Those guys are 70s now. They're leaders. God is preparing his revival. God's going to have a, God's going to have the revival, and I hope we don't miss it. That was, I was watching an interview, and the guy said, I missed that revival. And I went, I don't want to miss the revival. I don't want to miss that outpouring. I don't want to miss this outpouring. We can have it here. We ought to have it every Sunday. I think we just had a taste of it. And it's not about a certain formula, a certain this, whether you got a pipe organ. They got stained glass windows. We don't. I mean, it's not about that. It's about your heart. And getting rid of religious the way you think it ought to be. Let's do it the way God wants to do it. Let's, let's also obey his voice. Let's pray during the week and say, what does God want to do Sunday? And it's not about you doing it. It's about him doing it. Lord, touch people. Lord, minister to people. Interceding for people who are lost in here today. Can you do that? Because I'm going to preach something you've heard before. But maybe not the way. But if you let the Holy Spirit teach you, but in the end, well, I know that, then you start interceding for people. And you wait for the, re the next revelation that the Holy Spirit might give you. Just don't sit there. Well, I've heard this before. One more we going to eat for lunch. I wish you'd hurry up. I'm hungry. Well, all you're going to get is that, is that Burger King hamburger then, not anything from the Spirit of God. We have got to tap into the spiritual things. Are you all ready? So, so what, what is it all about? Glory to God. Pray for it. Pray for them, pray for yourself, pray for the people around you today that, that we all awaken to the Spirit of God, that our young people change. Man, we want the Spirit of God to be poured out here. That's how all revivals have started. That's how, that, you know, but what happens is people turn it into a formula and it turns into a religious organization. Hmm. It's not the formula, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit. And you know what, Here, how, here's, a, here's a, there's a litmus test of how you know you're religious if something makes you mad in church. If it makes you mad, you're religious. I'm sorry, okay, I'm just saying it because, oh my, I can't stand, I can't believe they got the music so loud. They all going to hell because the music's loud. Oh, I can't believe he asked people to pray for people, pray for the sick. What? Who does he think he is, Jesus? I hear it. I know y'all don't, but that's how you tell if you're religious. If something, it ought not even enter your bubble. Enter, it bother you if, you know what? Bless them, Lord. They just don't understand. Pray, I love them, Lord God. Pull them out of that. Open their eyes. That's what, how you respond to something you think's wrong. Father, let the love of God consume them. Let them be changed in the name of Jesus. Let the peace of God rest in their heart. Let them receive a word from God today. Huh? Instead, I can't. Ah, that's religious. You're stirred up in your religious mind. And you know what? You don't even recognize it until it just said it. So don't throw any rocks at me. I need to put a screen up maybe so you know. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to finish this, but we're going to finish strong on being overwhelmed. It's time to be overwhelmed with God. And we're going to overwhelm. We're going to look at it. And uh, if you got sermon notes or you need some, wave at me. But I got a little quick survey on uh, anybody want to be physically healthier? Wave at me. Anybody want to live longer? All right, all right, me too. And so, uh, uh, you know, there's a test to familiarize yourself with stress because stress will kill you and so see if you can complete these sentences with me I'm all stressed out yep uh, I'm at the end of my rope uh, I'm coming unglued uh, I'm ready to throw in the towel 
I'm about to come apart. See, y'all pro at stress. Got you, huh? But you can answer. Proverbs 14.30 says, the sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Mm. A sound heart is life to the body. Peace of mind. Here's another translation. Peace of mind makes the body healthy. Another translation says a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. There are seven sources of stress. Worry, work, problems, indecision, loss, opposition, and fear. But the answer can be found to the Word of God, and we're going to Psalms 23. If you've got a Bible, turn to Psalms 23. It's probably right behind the Lord's Prayer as the most known scriptures in the Word of God. Psalms 23. You heard of Psalms 23 before? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me side. You know all that? Y'all heard that? Yeah, well, nod your head. Give me something. All right. But uh, I was sharing with somebody. How about Psalms 22? Can anybody quote it? Listen to what Psalms 22 says. Ready? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou far, far from helping me? Anybody ever heard that before? Jesus on the cross. Oh, let me, let me, I'm not going to read the whole thing for time's sake, but listen to what this says. They, they part my garments among them and they cast lots for my vesture. You know, Jesus probably knew the word, but those Roman soldiers who cast lots, they gambled for his cloak. They didn't know the word. They didn't know Psalms 22. Psalms 22 is Jesus on the cross. It talks about great bulls of Bashan that are biting him, demonic forces that he were battling, dogs that were attacking the spirit realm. It was a battle for our salvation. Psalms 23 is our salvation. Psalms 24 is about heaven. That's just what most Bibles say. But we're going to look at Psalms 23. This is our salvation. Y'all ready? All right. Here, here we go. Seven habits. Number one, look to God. To meet all your needs. Most people worry and stress about money. So the, the, the scripture that I've already quoted, Psalms 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I have all I need. I have all I need. God is my help. God is my source. God is my street, uh, strength. Stress comes when you start looking to somebody else to meet your needs. People look at me for different things as a pastor, but I'm not your savior. I tell my wife, I, I'm a good husband and I'm a good dad, my kids, but I'm a poor savior. I'm a pitiful savior. Matter of fact, I can't even tie the shoes on his feet like John said. I am not your savior. Jesus is. And I'm not your provider. Jesus is. And so let's look to Jesus and to what the word says, uh, and we need to quit expecting some others to meet our needs that don't meet the needs that only God can do. Yeah, Amen. I know. Yeah, we got it. So, so if you're stressing about money, if money or having your needs met, if if that's an issue, listen to me. Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell. Huh. One out of six verses in the first three Gospels talks about money. Why money? Because money can dominate your life. And the lack of money can dominate your life. Or too much money. Wait a minute here. I know what's about y'all. Huh? Money has all kinds of effects. It can take the place of God. And it's a poor God too. Money will eat you one way or the other. God is your source, and you cannot. I have prayed for people to get the best job they've got in their life right here in this church, my church in Louisiana, right here, and they quit God because the money starts coming in. And you know what? Hey, we're having a good time now. We're relaxed. We don't need God. They don't say that, but when they quit coming to church, they quit. They don't serve him anywhere. Hmm. Mm. Can't quit God. Can't quit God. Mm. Stress starts when we're not looking at God, but it reduces when we start looking at Him. 
In Isaiah 30, 15, it's a different translation than maybe you have in your Bible. It says, the Lord says, in quietness and confidence is your strength. And I want to remind you, we've talked, worship is an antidote to worry. Worship. The revival of that started in worship. Started with the God preached the love of God, and the people started worshiping and started worshiping about the love of God and wanting more of the love of God. That's what we need is the love of God, don't we? We don't need money. We need God. But God meets our needs. Say this with me. I trust God to meet my needs. So that we took care of one. Number two, obey God's instructions about rest. Number two, obey God's instructions about rest. Somebody said, if the devil can't stop you, he's going to start pushing you. So this takes care of, what about work? Work can bring stress, overwork, or underwork. Psalms 23, 2, he makes me lie down. That's rest. Now, in this metaphor, let's just go, Jesus is the shepherd. The father, and we are the sheep. And I don't want to insult anybody, but y'all sheep. And I are sheep too. I know what sheep smell like and look like. We are sheep. And we have to learn to follow. Before I go any further, let me just back up. Right, can, can you decide that I'm going to follow God? You say you are, but there are things in this message that we aren't letting go of and following God. Our opinion. That's the repentance starts here. Changing the way you think about God and just relaxing in Him. And you can't lay down because you're not trusting God. You're not following Him. When you find yourself, you can't rest, you're not following God. I've been there. I have to, whoa, stop. Let's evaluate what's going on here. It's not you, and it's not you, and it's not you. It's an enemy. And I'm stressed out, and I can't sit down and rest because the enemy has me stressed. I had a prophet tell me, go watch Rambo. Rambo? What is spiritual about Rambo? It is chill you out and set you down and get your mind off these problems you are dealing with. you got to sit down. You need to sit down and rest your mind. I know some of y'all, and I do too, so you lay down and your mind's going, I got so much to do. That's the enemy. Put the Word of God on. He'll make you go right to sleep. Rest is a key. But let's sing this. Let's sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. But here, here, here went through somebody's mind. I'll follow Jesus, but I ain't following you. Well, she may be the one to bring you deliverance. She may be the one to bring you a word to like, that you can't see. You ever heard the expression, can't see the trees for the forest? Mm-hmm. So, he makes me lie down. So, if we decided that we're all sheep, I want to tell you, sheep aren't smart enough to know when they're tired. Ooh. A lot of stress comes from being overworked and driven by insecurities. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Do you know God made your bodies to have sleep, to need sleep? Do you know he could have created us not to need sleep? How many of you like me, you feel guilty when you rest? That's the devil. One-third of your life is spent sleeping. God made it that way. It don't mean that you, only, you, don't, you don't work. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. But it also says you don't work 24-7. It don't work seven days a week. God modeled the rest in creation. And Hebrews says that we should work. 
to enter into the rest of God. And every day we should enter into the rest of God and not have to worry and fret. We're to be laboring in and keep the Word before us and keep God before us and keep Jesus before us and keep the Holy Spirit stirred in us so we can rest. Every day we're supposed to rest. And if you don't take time off, you're going to get sick. Don't speak sickness on me. It's just the truth. You have to rest. You stay up 24 hours, you're in bad shape. 36 hours, now you start, you know, you get sick. So, so here, here's the thing. If you don't take time off, your body going to make you take time off. Say this, my best requires rest. Can y'all say that? My best requires rest. Exodus 34, 21, God, six days are set aside for work, and God set one. Even in the busiest season, well, I, I got to get this finished. I got to get this done. Ask God to help me. I've got to rest. In the French Revolution, France declared no more Sunday rest. They worked seven days a week. The whole nation was declared you have to work on Sunday. People were getting sick. People were getting exhausted. It wore the people out because they, they, it was, they said you can't rest anymore. They collapsed. Psalms 127.2 in the Living Bible says, It is senseless for you to work hard from early morning until late night, fearing you will starve to death. For God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. It almost rhymed. Do it again. It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning, late at night, fearing you will starve to death because you're driven by fear of not having. Now, this generation, they, they're going to take their days off. I'm making fun of them. But I'm talking to my generation, we're supposed to go till we can't go no more. And so you have got to rest. Now, this generation needs to learn that they have to do certain things to receive. They're just not, it's just not given to them. I'm getting off. I'm getting in trouble here. So why rest? Number one, if you want to write them down, to rest your body. Number one, to rest your body. Number two, to refocus your mind. Number one, to rest your body. Two, to refocus your mind. Three, to recharge your emotions. You ever heard mama say, you're on my last nerve? She needs her emotions recharged. Because there's no such thing as getting on your last nerve, but just something. If y'all don't get in here, Petco's toys, you know. Been there. So recharge my emotion, number three. So say this with me. We're going to confess this. I'm trusting God by resting. I'm trusting God by resting. Say it again. I'm trusting God by resting. Man, when you rest, oh, I'm trusting God. I'm just going to rest. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. Oh. Number three, recharge. Recharge my soul with beauty. What? Psalms 23, 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Hmm. You ever thought about your soul, man? There's that where your emotions are at and and you're thinking, I, I don't care uh, if you're the best mathematician in the room, when your mind is weary, you're going to make mistakes. When, I don't care if you're the best English, you, you're the best writer in the room, when you're at 2 and 3 and 4 in the morning trying to do a paper, you're going to make mistakes. And you need to do things to refresh you and to refresh your mind. Some people like the golf course. Some people like hiding, hiking. Some people like God's beauty. But say, well, I don't have time that. I can't afford that. Well, you need to take your shoes off and walk outside and sit outside for a minute and chill. That's the vernacular of the, of the 80s. Chill. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. There ain't nothing more relaxing than listening to a brook trickle. And there's nothing more relaxing than looking at the beauty of the mountains 
but I can take you to the swamps and show you some beauty. There, you say, oh, in the eye of the beholder, look for the beauty that, that's in nature that God, and I'm not even giving half the scriptures, but God speaks to us through nature. Count the stars. My goodness. Just look for God's beauty. Take a minute and rest in God. Take a minute and let him recharge you. Ever wondered uh, why God made nature so beautiful? He didn't have to. It could all be in black and white. It could be all flat. We could be living in just a desert, sand. But God loves beauty. And I'm going to say it, and I may have to use my faith, but God made you, and he loves beauty. He made you unique. He loves you. I'm having fun. I'm picking. God made us all. So relax in how you're made. But go enjoy life. Get outside. Take your shoes off. I didn't say walk on hot gravel. Mm-mm. So, so nature will help you feel closer to God. Let me tell a story real quick. My wife's great aunt, uh, she, uh, her parents came to America. They were German. And uh, they went to, and now I'm, don't get me, quote me on this, but I think they were in Utah, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. And they were in a German community, and their, all their children were born there. So she was an American. And she didn't speak English. Uh, she spoke German. And it was probably 19, uh, uh, let me get my numbers, probably 1925, 27, something like that. Her mom said, I'm tired of living out here. We're going back to Germany. So they went back to got on uh, East Coast, got on a ship, took their kids, went to Germany, and they came just as Hitler was taking power. And they recognized it, what nobody else could see. And in her last days, she started looking at our government and say, I see the same thing. Scary, we're not talking politics. But anyway, she was a teenager during World War II. They were getting bombed daily. Things were happening. She wasn't a part of the Nazi party. Neither was her parents. She got on a train. She was on a train traveling. They bombed the train. She was the sole survivor of that train bombing. And uh, she met her husband. And uh, he looked at her. He was on a bus. It was lights out. But the Americans had come in. And he looked at her on a bus one night. It was dark. He said, I'm going to marry you. And she knew a little bit enough English like, you're nuts. I don't even know you. But he was smart. He went and started hanging out with her parents. And got in with the parents. And so she was about to lose her citizenship for America. She had to go back to America because she was an American citizen. But been through the war. And so he said, she can go live with my parents. Out in the middle of Louisiana in the middle of nowhere. And she learned English babysitting my wife's dad, her brothers and sisters and stuff. But she said, when I got on that ship and we got in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, it was so beautiful and so peaceful that I knew there was a God. I remembered there's a God in heaven, and I knew that I've gotten out of that war-torn country, and I knew that God was still God because of nature. See, God ministered to her, changed her life, and uh, but that was her. I wish I would have recorded that um, conversation. But the beauty of God brought her back. So let's look. Let's look real quick in Philippians four eight in the message. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true. Let me start it over. You'll do best. By filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious, the best things, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. What you maintain your focus on raises your stress level or lowers your stress level. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you four real quick if you want to write them down. We got time. Number one, to, to, to maintain this level, start your day with God, not media. 
Start your day with God, not emails, not Facebook, not texting, not TV, not radio. Come on, first seven minutes, can you give it to God? Am I asking too much? Seven minutes? Number two, get outside, even in your backyard. Enjoy some scenery. Number three, take up something that relaxes you. Some kind of art. Reading a book to relax you? How about praying? Just pray a little bit. Number four, intentionally put beauty around you. Come on. If you got grandkids, it's time to spend some time with them. And look at your kids. Look at the beauty in them. Children are a blessing from the Lord. So say this with me. God's creation can bring me peace. God's creation can bring me peace. Let's go to number four. Uh, We're going to get in some fun stuff here in a minute. Go to God for guidance. Hmm. You know, but Lord, I need answers. Lord, I, I need direction. Lord, help me, help me, help me, Lord. Oh, what do you think? 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 Now I don't know what to do. Because he said this, she said that, and they said this. And Lord, I need some guidance. And quit asking and just let it happen. Then you know it's God. If you're asking for direction, ask God, now wait. Enjoy life. God's guiding me. God's got me. God's going to help me. Let's look at our scripture. Psalms 23b, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. This is indecision. When you don't know what to do, Cain, I don't know what to do. Clayton reminded me one time of a, a, a great saying, you cannot steer a parked car. You got to get up and start moving. Start moving toward, towards it. If you think this is the way God's leading you, then start walking towards it. Don't run. Just walk, and he'll go, mm, and you go, ooh, not that, but this way. This is the way. Oh, this is better. And, and along the way, people go, Ooh, this, you know what? You, you're good at this. Hey, God will direct you and God will guide you. He said, I will speak to you. I will show you things to come. Hey, God wants to speak to us. But what happens is we won't say, well, you know, I think God wants me to go with it. What do you think? What do you think? No, 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 no. Ask God. But just start easing towards it and looking at it and looking at it and, face, and seeing what it, what it smells like and what it tastes like and what, what God's saying about it as you, as you take the, the, the walk and do it. See, we all come to forks in the road, and we have to make a decision. And not, not we get paralyzed. And you can hear people, Don't, I wouldn't go that way. That may be the way God's leading you. It's not their path. It's your path. If it doesn't violate the word of God, nothing wrong. Well, those people on that way are crazy. Yeah, but I may be called to the crazy. Huh? Or there may be crazies over here, but God may call me to the crazies. Hmm? But there may be blessing over here, not for you, but for me. I would never work that job, shoveling poop. Are you kidding me? As a hog farmer, they offered to buy his business shoveling poop and making fertilizer for like $14 million. But he's making a million dollars a year on poop. And we don't want to talk about poop in church. <laughs> I wouldn't shovel. Well, for a million dollars a year, would you shovel poop? Yep, where's the shovel? perspective, isn't it? Wouldn't shovel no poop. Y'all clean up your own stalls. 
He's cleaning up everybody's stall. Paul said, I count it all poop. I don't care. He said, he said, King James, I count it all dung. It's nothing compared to the glory of God that's set before me. But God will take anything and make it a blessing for you. But you got to get it out of your head. I ain't doing that. I know how many people I've seen said I'll never do that. I've eaten crow, folks. It's pretty good with salt and pepper on it. My kids will never do that. Oh, Lord. And, man, you got, your, you got people call you out on it, too, you know, family. Anyway. Mm-mm-mm. Let's make God our number one source for direction in life, not opinions. So we pray. We ask. We read the word. And we wait. Since for his direction, James said, you have not because you ask not. And then he says, you ask because you ask wrong. Because you ask with a, uh, uh, you, you, you always got, I want to, Lord, uh, this is the way I'm going, bless me. It's not that. It's start looking at it and taking those steps and then, God, is this the way you want me to go? Is this the way our services need to go? Is this the way our household needs to be ran? Is this what my kids need to eat? Is this what I need to eat? Little Debbie's done grown up. Can't eat that stuff all the time. Don't make me cheat a little bit, huh? Confess this. I trust God to guide me at the right time. The greatest thing, if you, if you, if you picture yourself as a toddler... And, and, and I try to do that, me and God, and I got him by the hand. It's when my grandkids get in front of me and they start running, and they fall, scan their hands and knees, bop, I get my knee. Blah, blah. Well, if you had held on to my hand and waited, you wouldn't have never failed. And when we get out ahead of God, we bust our knees and our behind and our skin, our head. And I got a skinned head right now. It's shining with the lights right now. And, uh, but the thing about it is you've got to recognize that you're walking with God and you can't get ahead of him. We, oh, we want, I want to do, I know I'm called to do this. I know I'm called to do that. Let God open the door. Let God direct you. Number five, trust God in the dark valleys. Talking about loss. Psalms 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Man, oh, man. Let's just break it down. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Can a shadow hurt you? Think about it. It's just a shadow. Death's just a shadow. You're passing from this life to the next, and it can't hurt you, child of God. It does not hurt to pass from this life to the next. You hurt more in this life. You got more pain here than you'll ever, ever, ever. Matter of fact, you'll never taste it again. Isn't that awesome? I walk through the valley of the shadow, the shadow. My grandson, youngest one, he got a flashlight. I gave him a flashlight as a toy. He's three years old. He can't even hardly talk. He's out on the front porch in the middle of the night. He's shining that light. Monster. Monster. He's looking for one. Have you? And so we, we I'm, 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 I got him in bed with me, and we're in the basement, and the, the shadows are on the ceiling, and he's looking at, is that a monster? I said, no, it's a shadow. You don't have to be afraid of shadows. There was this preacher one time, he was staying, he traveling evangelist, and he was staying at these people's house, and he woke up about midnight, and he looked in the corner, room was dark, and he could see this, it's a demon. I command you in the name of Jesus, and it's doing this. And all of a sudden, it stopped. He says, well, it worked in the name of Jesus. And he lays back down, and he's waiting. And all of a sudden, it starts again. He stands up in the bed. I said, in the name of Jesus. And it's doing all this, and man, he can't figure out. He's wrestling this thing for about an hour. And finally, he gets up and turns the light on. It's a jacket hanging on a coat. And every time the heat comes on, it does this.
How many times have we ran when nobody was running to chase us, huh? <laughs> Fear, there, there are two things that, action, that react to this loss is, is grief and fear. And grief's a good thing for a season. Because when you love somebody, you're going to grieve them. And it's all right for a season, but you've got to recognize that, you know what? It's it, it been like 11 months. My grandfather, who, who uh, I love dearly, uh, it had been 11 months since he passed. And I was driving down the road. I can tell you where I was at. And I began to cry for him. And the Spirit of God on the inside of me said, nope, time's over. It's time to quit. It's time to stand. You know what? You know where he's at. You prayed with him. I prayed with him, made sure he was saved. And knew he was saved. He said, why are you grieving? Still grieving. It's time. It's over. And so you, there's a time to stop grieving. And so we need to recognize if we're still hung up in grief from years, years back, but we need to recognize that uh, it's only for a season. And the other part is fear can be paralyzing. If you're afraid of death, people, you know, phobias. You know what phobias are? You know, fear, fear of uh, sickness, fear of failure, fear of heights. Fear of cold spaces. You know what? It all, it's all fear of death. You're not afraid of heights. You're afraid of falling. You're not a, uh, a phobia of spiders. You're afraid that they're going to bite you and you're going to die. You, you're not claustrophobic. You're afraid it's going to just crush you. Come on, deal with that. I know I'm, I'm being a little tough, but wait a minute. you got to face your fears and cast those things out. And you know what? No matter, even if I die, I'm living forever. And I've made my choice. I'm living forever with God. And I'm just going to step into eternity if I do die. What can they do but kill my body? They can't touch my spirit. And now when you face your fears, you become the most dangerous person in the world. I was talking to somebody. I said, you know, they, we talk about persecution. And China, is, Christians are persecuted, Okay. They're in jail, and they get out, and they go back to the Word, and they put them back in jail, and they beat them, and they kill them. That's persecution. You know, when Walmart runs out of toilet paper, that is not persecution. But that's what we think. Oh, what are we going to do? But hear me. Persecution may come. And I said this years ago, and I told somebody this week, I said, I know how y'all are. You're going to go, he's a pastor. Get him first. So I'm ready. I made up my mind. You know what? I'll go to jail for Jesus. Would you be killed for Jesus? I decided to follow Jesus. Look up where that came from. No turning back. They were killing his family. And so we have got to make the decision, to make the choice, because it can be par par paralyzing. Valley of the death, uh, valley of the shadow of death, you can get paralyzed in that. One more quick crazy story is me and this buddy of mine, we're probably about 16, 17, and, and uh, long story short, Reason I don't know, can't remember exactly, but we went down. We're going to swimming hole, and it's one in the morning. We walk down in the dark, no flashlights. I mean, we country boys, and and we get down there, and we're just looking around, and we're going to spend the night right here on the ground, no tent, no blanket, no nothing. And it's, it's hot in Louisiana, but you know what? They still have snakes and whatever and everything else, and we, we lay in there, and we're asleep. But I tell you how hot it is. When the dew falls, it still gets cold. But he goes, Brett, Brett. He's paralyzed. What is that? And I'm like, and I raise up, and I said, oh, that's, that's, that's Mr. Cecil's border collie. He goes, oh, I thought it was a bear. And I said, and you wake me up to raise up for it to get me. <laughs> that dog came up and cold-nosed him right on the neck. He was like, oh, frozen. Fear will paralyze you. Okay, I got to move on. You can't let fear paralyze you. Say this with me. I don't know. I don't have to know the answers when I know God. Number six, let God be my defender. Can you do that? He's your protection. He's got you. Come on, God, say it. God's got me. In Psalms 23, 5, in Psalms 23, 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. What in the world does that mean? I'll show you real quick. 
God says, these are my people. I prepare a table for them in the presence of their enemy. I've got them. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> They're my people, devil. Take your hands off them. You're going to be blessed in famine. You're going to prosper. You're going to have health. I'm your God. You're my people. He says that to every one of you. He prepares a table before you in the midst of depressions, in the midst of uh, all these things that are going on in the world and all these balloons coming across our country and ah, what it could have, should have been. God's our protection. Call unto him to protect you. He said he would. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In Psalms 18, 1 through 2, he's going to put it up in the King James. But I'm going to read a different version just because. Make you mad. How I love you, Lord. You are my defender, my protector, my strong fortress. In you, I am safe. You protect me like a shield. It takes a lot of faith to rest in God, to trust him. Instead of taking matters into our own hands. Hmm? Lord, we're going to trust you. Do you, he'll let you take it in your own hands in due time. 1 Peter 4.19. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him and doing good as a faithful creator. Listen to this. If you are suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right and trust yourself to God who made you, for he will never fail you. Oh, you think you're doing what's right and nobody else agrees with you, chill. Don't get mad. That's religion. But if you think you're doing what's right, then you trust God and let him correct you when it's time to be corrected. Or let him, let him correct everybody else instead of arguing. John 3, 16 is not for you. I've heard that. Man, we were witness this guy, and he said, that's not in my Bible. I'm like, what kind of Bible you got? For God so loved the world. But people want to argue the craziest things because they're religious. You never went anybody to Jesus arguing the Bible. No. There is a proverb that said, let the ignorant be ignorant. But people will provoke you and stir you, but come on, take a stand and trust God. He's your protector. He's your protector. He's got you even when religious people come on against you. And guess what? You'll actually grow in power. Strength in the inner man when you're doing what's right and you take a stand for the Word of God. And you know what? It's easy. No, it ain't. It's easy to fight. It's harder to walk away. The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. And the meek don't fight. Oh, they have the ability to. But they, walk, they back up. Peace on you. Love you. Give them love, even though they may hate you. So, say this with me. God will take care of me. And I pray he takes care of you. But you know what? God wants to establish you. I, I don't know. In all this series, you got to get established. I'm not your savior. Your husband or your wife's not your savior. You've got to be established that you know who you are in God, and God's got you, and God's your protection, and God's preparing a table for you, that God's going to hear you, he's going to lead you, he's going to guide you. So peace, relax. So many people are trying to make their own way. When you ask God to partner with you, man, it's awesome. The last one, number seven. Expect God to finish what he starts in me. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Are you that what-if person? Always expecting the worst? Well, it's like the old boy that jumped out of the helicopter. He was in the airborne with the army, and his chute didn't open. And he said, well, he said, I bet there won't be a truck down there to pick us up either.
Psalms 23.6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Woo, I know where my future's at, but I'm already there. This building is not the house of the Lord. It is to a certain, but you are the house of God. God lives on the inside of you. We started that off by the Spirit of God today. But I want to remind you, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of your life. If you're a sheep, get with me now. If you're a sheep, goodness and mercy are sheep dogs. Goodness and mercy. When I mess up, mercy picks me up and goodness is keeping me on the right path. Y'all ever seen a good sheep dog work? I want you to Google this because it will help you. Oh, my goodness. It's funny. So I was there. And I saw it live. It was 1980, maybe 81. I'm old, okay. And we went to the rodeo. And at halftime, they ran out about 15 or 20 sheep. And then they brought this sheepdog out, and he's going to wrangle the sheep. And, man, to watch a dog work, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I've seen, you know, I've had hunting dogs and, and, and retrievers and, and all kinds of dogs. And, man, when you got a good one and it works, it's, nothing, it's more fun just to watch them work. And lo and behold, they run this sheepdog out, and on this sheepdog's back was a saddle, and they had a spider monkey tied on this sheepdog. He had a cowboy hat on, and his hands were tied to the horn on the saddle. And man, when they blew that whistle, that dog went to rounding up them sheep, and that monkey's doing this. He's riding like he's riding that thing. I was crying. The whole stadium was laughing. But I thought of that to remind you that, you know what? Goodness and mercy is chasing you. And they're keeping you in line. And you need to be calling out for mercy when you think you've missed it. Lord, mercy. And that sheepdog comes up and it gets you right back where you're supposed to be. And that grace of God comes in there, the goodness of God. Man, that's his glory if you read it. And Moses said, I want to see you. And God said, I'm going to pass by and let you see. He said, I want to see your glory. He said, I'm going to let you see my goodness. Woo. God's goodness and, and his grace and his mercy is chasing after us. And we already dwell in the house of the Lord, but come on, we need help in this life. Ask him for it. Expect it. So what that means is when you ask God for help, you can expect grace and mercy to come up and help you. Well, I, I, don't, I can't ask because I don't deserve it, Pastor. Nobody deserves it. That's called grace. The old definition of when I was a kid was unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it, but you're getting it anyway. When you step into Jesus, you got you don't deserve heaven, but Jesus, that's what the battle was at the cross. Jesus died for you. Hey, paid the price. Always use the sports analogy. My team won. You wasn't even on the field. Matter of fact, you wasn't even in the state. But people all over the country, my basketball team won. You're in New York. How can you say I won? I wasn't at the cross, but I won. You won. And because I asked, now I have permission to receive. Can you give yourself permission to receive from God? Okay, I had three yeses. Can you give yourself permission to receive from God? See, I think that's a part we miss. I, I trust God. I love God. I, I have faith. I believe in God. But when are you set to receive from God? Do you ever stop and say, okay, Lord, I just speak to me a little bit. Just guide me a little bit. Let me receive something from you a little bit. You know, if I had a ball, I'm bringing a ball in here and I'm going to throw it. You have to catch it. You have to receive. A receiver on a football team receives the ball. You have to receive the promises of God. The Bible says they're yes and amen. But you sit like this. You can't catch a ball like this. And you're going to receive something from God, you're going to have to do this. Fill my cup. Here's my cup. Fill it up. The international sign of surrender, right here, I surrender to Jesus. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. But religious people are, you're strange. Y'all strange, too. And now I take that back. Y'all strange, too. No. <laughs> let's finish this animal here. Let's, let's, let's just say we sheepdog are after us, man. 
They're keeping us in line. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't pick this metaphor. God did. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. It says, come to me, all you are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on, if you're not gentle and humble, you're not being like Jesus. We got to be gentle and humble and be like Jesus. Come on, he's called us to be like him. His burden is easy and is light. And the Holy Spirit's been sent to help you. I want to be yoked up with Christ. Come on, if you got a team, my, my, uh, one of my great uncles, by marriage, he had a team of six mules. And I'm not talking just a normal man. They were big work mules, and they were yoked together. Come on, they tied together, and they pulled logs. He was a logger back in the 30s and 40s, and he logged. They didn't have tractors. And these big mules were yoked together. Come on, I want to be yoked with Jesus so I can do big things because I can't do big things without Jesus. And you can't do big things. When Jesus wants you to take his yoke, it's easy and light. When you're doing it with Jesus' way, it's not, yeah, you got to work. But, man, when you do work and Man, if, if anybody likes mowing, they look back up and look at the yard, how good it looks. It was work, but boy, don't it look good. When you're with Jesus, you're going to do some work. You're going to have to step out and say something to somebody. And you may be a little nervous starting off, but it's easy and light. You're going to walk away from that like, wow, look what God did. And God used me. Isn't that crazy? God wants to use you to touch somebody, to reach somebody. And then take a minute to look back at it and be thankful that he used you. He sent the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be yoked with Christ. To move in the same direction, the same speed. Come on. He'll talk to you. He'll guide you. This is the last confession. Say this with me. And I will dwell with God forever. Isn't that awesome? Woo. Going to heaven. Won't you bow your heads today? If not, you can look at me. But that's the question. Will you dwell with God forever? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What, what gives you the right to go there? The blood of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. You know, I heard a religious man say that, well, just a prayer, don't do it. Well, the Bible says you believe in your heart and you say it with your mouth. That's a prayer. It's a confession. So if you're here today and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord of your life, never, ever, if that's you, will you lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Brett? I want to accept Jesus. I want this 23rd Psalm to be a part of my life. I need his grace and mercy. I need that table. If that's you, just wave. I see your hand. Anybody else? Now let me ask you this. Maybe you haven't been serving God. Maybe you're visiting today. Ain't nobody going to call you out, but I want to know if you, you want to rededicate your life to God, you want to come fresh and new to God, come on, today's the day. I see that hand and that hand. Anybody else? Well, we're all going to pray it together. And it doesn't matter what you've done. Now, you can put your hands down. Look at me just for a second. The Bible says to be quick to repent. You know, when I go to a service, I don't have to lift my hand and rededicate my life. I did when I was a teenager, man. I, I wore it out, you know. But I've come to a place of maturity. That you know what? When I miss it on Wednesday, Wednesday, Lord, forgive me. And I trust you. I know he forgives me. So I'm clean now. Okay? Don't act like you've never missed it on a Wednesday. When I sin, I'm quick to repent. Therefore, I stay clean before God. Kind of a part of what really started, that re started the revival of Asbury is a repentance. Is a holiness. It, it says be holy in the Old Testament, but it says be holy in the New Testament. 
well, I don't know about that. Well, come on. Ask God to start showing you things you need to clean up. And when he does, repent of it. Okay? So let's pray this together. Say, Father, today's the day I give you my life, fresh and new. Forgive me for all the places I've sinned and missed it. But thank you, Father, for grace and mercy. Oh, that leads and guides me in the path of righteousness. In the path of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.